When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. I told you we would be back, MD Nation. And we are. We're back, baby. Back on another Monday night edition. I would not let you down. We are here with the Week 17 Sunday afternoon recap. And thank you, MD Nation, for joining the show today. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app so you can catch us on your commute you can always research us on the amazon app store when you look up the md's fantasy football show which is available on your android and fire tv devices but we're available somewhere new today we're gonna be available here from now until all the way through next year and yes we are doing episodes all throughout the off season we'll do one a week after this week but we're gonna be available to you guys on tiki live TikiLive.com slash channel slash belly up. Now we'll get it up there later on so you guys don't get confused. But basically, we are going going live on live streaming TV. And that's not the only place we're going to be, along with Amazon. Eventually, down the road, we'll be available on other platforms and we'll announce those 
as they become available to you. But TikiLives.com, the Belly Up Sports Channel, we're going to be live, baby. You can check us out on your web browser on the on the app, which is available to any software, any device. Very excited about that. Again, the show continuing to grow because of the loyal following that we have with MD Nation. And hopefully you guys were able to take advantage of our advice, Chris and I. Chris isn't here today, it's just me, but hopefully we take advantage of our advice. Hopefully it resulted in an MD Nation championship, or at least it got you very close. And if it didn't, it's okay. We're going to be working all offseason to get you guys better. There's always next year. We're not going anywhere, baby. So look, today's show, obviously, we're going to be recapping all the action from Sunday afternoon. This week is going to stay the same. We're going to have our Sunday night, Monday night recap with waiver wire report for week 18 tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. like we normally do. Yes, we're going to have a waiver wire report for those week 18 amateur hour leagues out there who actually are playing two weeks for their championship matchup or throughout their playoffs, whatever the case may be. Now, I'm pretty sure at this point, like 90 to 95% of people are stopping their championships when they should, which is week 17. But for those 5 to 10% of you who are out there, yes, we are still making ourselves available for you guys heading into week 18, just in case you're still trying to win a championship. We like to be here for everyone we possibly can be which is why I still do these shows on the last week, unlike most other platforms out there. My favorite one, of course, will be the MD's DFS contest, which will come in later in the week like we normally would have it. And that show will continue on through the NFL playoffs each week with Jazz Lord joining us. We're going to try to win you guys some money throughout the NFL playoffs with our DFS analysis. After the Super Bowl is over, we'll talk about some consistency of the position reports and then take it by year from there. But we'll be back pretty much once a week, at least every single week, all the way up until free agency, which for us kicks off the new season here at the MD's Fantasy Football Show. So that's what you have to look forward to. Lots of content coming your way. We are going to, we usually go on a hiatus. We are not going on a hiatus this year. I decided that we need to keep the content going. We need to keep people prepared. Fantasy football has turned into a year-long sport, especially with the popularity of dynasty leagues growing and we're going to have more of a focus on that than we ever had before in the offseason for dynasty teams we're growing along with your fantasy football skills along with your fantasy football desires all right so no further ado let's let's dive into some of this action that happened yesterday and you know for some of us we'll we'll recap what got you a championship quite possibly or what maybe lost you the week unfortunately So let's kick this thing off with the Rams and the Baltimore Ravens. Rams win this game 2019. Matthew Stafford, box score-wise, was fine. Fantasy-wise, was fine. Did he hit the ceiling we expected him to hit? No, he didn't. I mean, Joe Burrow went bananas the week before. The Ravens were even more undermanned in the secondary than they were the week before against Cincinnati. Cooper Cup's been amazing. They have amazing wide receivers. They have Sean McVay. Stafford now two times in a row in smash spots was not able to perform up to expectations. What do those two games have in common? They're road games. The home road split for Matthew Stafford and this Rams offense in general outside of Cooper Cup has been a real thing this season. And I do have to wonder if they don't get home field advantage off the NFL playoffs, which at this point I don't think is possible because of the Packers. 
then it's going to have to rule question if they have to play a road game in the playoffs. What happens then? Remains to be seen. We'll talk about that more as we get into next week, which kick off, kicks off the NFL playoffs. But 309 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He was fine. He didn't lose you your championship week, but he didn't give you the home run threat that you were hoping for. Sony Michelle did what you needed him to do. 74 yards on the ground, picks up a touchdown, 19 carries, tacks on three receptions for 25 yards, gets you 99 yards from scrimmage, almost gets you to that 100-yard mark. Five targets, though. He had a fine fantasy performance. The thing to keep in mind is that while running backs fantasy-wise have put up points, and he did in this game too against the Ravens, they haven't been overly efficient. Use 3.9 yards to carry. So the Ravens have been able to keep running backs down as far as their overall efficiency goes, but the points are still there because especially when you have a workhorse back against his team, they're giving up too many points. But Sony Michelle, no Cam Akers, was inactive. They decided, you know, you know what? We're going to hold out. We're going to wait. They might need Cam Akers in the NFL playoffs. There's no reason to get him hurt yet. If they're not fully confident, he's ready to go. Now, Cooper Cup, did he have a T. Higgins type game from a week ago, a Jamar Chase type game from a week ago? We'll get to Jamar Chase's performance later. Don't worry, we're not burying the lead. But no, he didn't. Six catches, 95 yards, a touchdown, seven targets. Are you disappointed maybe that you got a floor, quote-unquote, performance out of a Cooper Cup your championship week? Maybe. But he didn't lose you in a week. He did what he was supposed to do, which is still a wide receiver one performance at the end of the day. Absolutely amazing what he was. And the question is going to be next year, do we definitively rank him as the number one wide receiver overall heading into drafts? And for the most part, I'm going to say that that's going to probably be a yes. I can't see it not be necessarily. But at the same time, we're going to do our due process and see if, He can repeat this. Remember, he's having a record-breaking year. Typically speaking, you're going to have regression after a season like that. That doesn't mean he shouldn't still be drafted as the number one receiver next year. Insane. Stafford's not going anywhere. This offense isn't going anywhere. It sets up for Cooper Cup to be in a prime position next year. And the great thing about him is that he gets lined up all over the field. Even when Robert Woods was healthy, Cooper Cup was getting lined up all over the field and playing the majority of his snaps from the slot, especially since the Rams have gone back to their three receivers set for their normal offense. It's very hard to take away a very good slot receiver, especially when he's the number one featured receiver in the offense. That's what Cooper Cup has going for him. Six catches, 69 yards on nine targets for Tyler Higby. And that's kind of what ruined the value for the other guys. I mean, OBJ, a lot of people want to stream him. He gets a touchdown, five catches, 39 yards. He was fine. Van Jefferson looked like he was on his way to a big game. Didn't wind up playing the majority of the second half. Had a, a leg injury and never really came back into the game. Leading up until that point, though, he had four catches for 63 yards and five targets. He looked like he was actually on his way to a decent game. But the reason why they didn't blow up Because once again, Matthew Stafford didn't smash quite the way that he should have. But they get the win, so who cares, right? On the Ravens' side of the ball, no Lamar Jackson once again. Tyler Huntley rolls in. 197 yards, no touchdowns, no uh, one interception, 54 yards on the ground. Maybe not quite the fantasy performance. A lot of people were streaming him heading into this game. He didn't have any touchdowns. The Ravens scored 19 points without scoring an offensive touchdown. It's kind of impressive in a depressing way. (laughs) 
It's impressive in a depressing way. Mark Andrews, six catches, 89 yards, six targets. You'll take that nine times out of a 10 out of any tight end. But the problem is because Mark Andrews has been a wide receiver one in your lineups. And it's a big reason what got you there to championship. You're almost left disappointed. Kind of the same way you're less disappointed with Cooper cup was like, you still had a great game. Still had a good game. This is your floor game performance. It's insane. But you've gotten so used to, Oh, getting over a hundred yards, getting a touchdown to go with it. Can't get too greedy. Still performed admirably in this matchup. Rashad Bateman though, was the lead targeted guy, 10 targets, seven catches, 58 yards. Marquise Brown, three receptions, 28 yards, eight targets. It's going to be very interesting when we go into next year to figure out exactly what the split between a Rashad Bateman and a Marquise Brown is going to be. Marquise Brown was absolutely phenomenal. Now, his success was somewhat linked to Lamar Jackson. When Lamar Jackson got hurt or had COVID or his play declined because of one of those things, towards the second half of the season, Marquise Brown went downhill with him. If it was anybody besides Lamar Jackson there at quarterback, well, Rashad Bateman would start to get worked in. And you got to figure Rashad Bateman, we know what kind of talent he is. He's going to be a tremendous wide receiver. Is he going to take the next step up and wind up being in a 1A, 1B situation with Marquise Brown next year on an offense that ultimately threw the ball more this season than they ever have under Lamar Jackson tenure, Greg Roman tenure, but still was not you know, one of the top throwing teams in the league. So that's going to be interesting to try to figure out heading into next season. Is it not Mark Andrews, who's really just the only pass catcher you want to, you know, count on? That's all going to be legitimate questions heading into next year. The running backs will be interesting. Devonta Freeman, 14 carries. Latavius Murray, 11. Not much to really take out of that. Other than next year, hopefully... J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are able to return. If they do. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We know what we're going to get. This Ravens team has shown that even with these old nursing home level running backs, they still want to play two backs no matter what. Even though Latavius Murray has consistently been done, consistently been molasses, consistently looking like he's running in mud, even compared to Devonta Freeman, who's been actually pretty efficient since they gave him the lead role. They still want Latavius Murray to work in. It just shows me that as long as Dobbins and Gus Edwards are both playing and both under contract, Dobbins in particular is never going to be truly be the workhorse back. It's just not going to happen. And this offense, while they threw the ball more, still didn't set up to throw the ball to the running backs all that much more. Especially not on, an, on a per-rate basis. So do with that what you will heading in with your dynasty value. Maybe Dobbins, maybe he's a sell-high. Things we'll talk about in the offseason for sure. But let's move on. Let's move on to our next matchup. We got the Jets, Tampa Bay. Yes, we'll just acknowledge quickly the Antonio Brown disaster. Never seen a guy quit his career. Not quit the game. Not quit on his team. Not quit playing. 
quit his career mid-game. Because that's what Antonio Brown did. But the Bucs were the last team that was willing to give him a chance at all. And that was all because Tom Brady had been fighting on his behalf for him to get another chance. And if you don't know, the story that we're getting so to this point is that Bruce Arians wanted him to go back into the game. Apparently, Antonio Brown said no because of his ankle injury. Arians said, if that's the case, then you're done for the day. And Antonio Brown flipped his lip. Obviously, and it doesn't take a therapist to figure this out, obviously, there's some mental issues with Antonio Brown. Not that we didn't already know that, but... To me, there's got to be some bipolar. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out later on in life that he has CTE. Something along those lines. Because it's drastic and it's bad. But officially cut from the team today. Antonio Brown is gone. Which we knew was going to happen. Even before Bruce Arians had his press conference yesterday, we knew there was no way Antonio Brown was going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer after that. No chance. Whether they're, whether they're trying to be in the middle of a Super Bowl run without Chris Godwin on top of it or not. It'll be interesting going into next week. In this game, though, Tom Brady, last two weeks in a row, have been mediocre. That's probably putting it nicely. He's been bad. Let's call it what it is. Bad, especially fantasy-wise. But even with the Antonio Brown shenanigans, Mike Evans pretty much out there on one leg, no Chris Godwin, against the Jets... Tom Brady cures his ills and gives you his best performance. One of his best performances all season. 410 yards, three touchdowns. Did have the one pick. Who cares at that point? Brady came through in your championships in a big way. The benefactor was the other guy who had been disappointing for two weeks in a row. Rob Gronkowski, seven receptions, 115 yards. The only thing he didn't do was score a touchdown, 10 targets. But Gronk is going to be a main target for as long as Tampa Bay is in the NFL playoffs, including probably next week. Here's a name of note for you guys who do have your Week 18 matchups or if you're playing DFS, because we'll we'll definitely make sure we're giving more of a focus to DFS this week in Week 18, because that's, for most people, it's going to be the last form of fantasy football they can have heading into the last week of the season. Cyril Grayson, two weeks in a row now, has operated as the number two receiver. Now, whether that's been number two to Rob Gronkowski or last week, number two to Antonio Brown, either way, he's operated as the number two receiver in the offense. Six receptions, 81 yards, a touchdown on eight targets in this game. Now, he continues once again to play behind Tyler Johnson as far as routes run and snaps. But that hasn't seemed to matter because he winds up being the one who gets the production. Now, Tyler Johnson didn't zero out this game, at least four receptions, 50 yards. But the gap between Grayson and Johnson in their playing time was much closer as well. And the thing about Grayson, which I think Brady is coming to like and something they're going to need moving forward now that they're losing weapons left and right, especially in the passing game, he's explosive. He's fast. So that would be an interesting name to watch, not just now, but into the playoffs. I know people play fantasy football playoffs too. We'll talk about that. So Grayson's going to be a name to look out for. Mike Evans, four catches, 47 yards, a touchdown. If you felt like you need to, I didn't really want to play him. I barely had him in my top 36 by the time Sunday came around. And, and the only reason I had him even there is because of some of the late inactives that wound up coming to fruition. I didn't have Mike Evans earlier in the week in my top 36. I didn't want to play him. But if you did, 
You got a fine performance. Four catches, 46 yards, a touchdown. He did what you needed him to do. He didn't blank you. He didn't go off. He just he played solid. He didn't hurt you. Plain and simple. That's what it, that's basically what it boils down to. The other interesting note, Ronald Jones, huge disappointment. 10 carries, 26 yards, gets hurt with an ankle issue. Now we're still waiting for the MRI results to tell us exactly how bad it is. If you're going in the week 18, Keyshawn Vaughn had eight carries for 31 yards compared to Le'Veon Bell's three carries for five yards. He also had two receptions for 14 yards on three targets. Bell also had three targets, but three catches, 30 yards. Here's the interesting part. Le'Veon Bell played more snaps. It's only by three, but he still played more snaps than Keyshawn Vaughn did. 24 to 21. Now, why is that so interesting? Because it wasn't a case of where Tampa Bay blew out the Jets in the second half, so Le'Veon Bell played more. Tampa Bay Bucks were coming back from behind. They had to come back. If you didn't catch this somehow, they had to come back and win from behind in the fourth quarter on a game-winning touchdown drive. By the way, which was based off of a stupid quarterback sneak from like three yards away when they could have at least kicked a field goal. And maybe Tampa Bay would have gone for two or whatever the case, but they would have been up by seven points instead of four. It was just absolutely stupid. But besides all that, Le'Veon Bell played in behind in a negative game script a little bit more than Keyshawn Vaughn. It was basically a two-man committee. Now, Vaughn winds up with more touches, especially in the rushing game. But apparently Bell, Bell, I wouldn't be surprised if Bell wound up winning favor with Brady, especially in the passing game. They still don't fully trust Keyshawn Vaughn in pass protection. That's obvious. And that played, I think, a big part in why Bell played as much as he did after Ronald Jones went down. So I don't think it's a given. And it'll be interesting to see when we have the waiver report tomorrow as I go through this. I don't think it's necessarily a given that Keyshawn Vaughn is definitively going to be a workhorse role without Ronald Jones next week or, or playing well ahead of Le'Veon Bell. He probably is the guy who gets the majority of the carries, but I think receiving-wise, it might be pretty close. And it comes back to the pass protection. Just kind of an interesting note before we head into Week 18. On the Jets' side of things, unfortunately, Michael Carter picked up the concussion issue because he started off this game with a bang. He had a 55-yard run right off the bat against Tampa Bay of all teams, but he ends the game with just three carries for 54 yards, one catch for nine yards because he does get the concussion. So if you played him because, you know, Tevin Coleman was out, and it was looking like Michael Carter might be able to pick up a lot of the workload. That's what wound up happening there. Now, behind him, Ty Johnson gets the touchdown, but Austin Walter winds up with 14 carries for 49 yards. Johnson did play more of the snaps and had three catches for 47 yards. We know he's going to be more involved in the passing game, but him and Austin Walter will be in a committee. Ty Johnson probably working more as the receiving back. Walter is the main ball carrier. If Michael Carter does wind up having to miss week 18 with a concussion issue. And because it's week 18 and he's the future of this offense, they're not going to push him back unless he actually is hundred percent ready to go. Braxton Berrios was the stream of the week, eight receptions, 65 yards, a touchdown on 12 targets, gets a rushing touchdown on a trick play. I mean, the Jets have just shown if all else fails, if Crowder's out and Elijah Moore is out and Corey Davis is out, they have no problem featuring the crap out of Braxton Berrios. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. 
Crowder will probably be gone next year. I don't see them bringing him back. He took a pay cut to stay with him for this, this season anyway. Obviously, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore aren't going anywhere, but the prime slot receiver for next year, for 2022, very well may wind up being Braxton Berrios. Something to keep your guys' eyes on. I, I, it's a name It's disgusting, but that's what we're looking at right now. All right, so that's all we got to talk about with this game. Let's move it on. Let's move it on. Let's talk about Cincinnati and Kansas City. The Bengals taking on what was the number one seed at time in the AFC. At home, coming off of a, a big victory the week before. And they win in overtime 30, or I'm sorry, not in overtime, almost in overtime. They win 34 to 31 at the very end of the game. This was a big win for the Cincinnati Bengals team. Not only did it get them the AFC North, which obviously is a huge deal for this organization in particular. It was the manner in which they did it. If you had Joe Burrow, if you had Jamar Chase, you won your championships. It is that simple. 446 yards, four touchdowns for Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase sets the rookie record. 11 catches, 266 yards, three touchdowns, 12 targets. Puts an exclamation point on a phenomenal rookie season, and he's going to be drafted as the number one receiver next year. Mark my words. Is he another guy, maybe like a Justin Jefferson, who we had to probably expect some regression out of? Maybe. Another guy that I'll be very happy and excited to analyze this offense in general, frankly, analyze heading into 2022. But man, is he special. Now, unfortunately, it comes... T. Higgins winds up kind of being a victim in all this because he only gets five targets, three catches, 62 yards because Jamar Chase was just so dominant. He wasn't really able to get worked in on the mix. Here's the interesting note that I take away from this. Tyler Boyd, by the way, was the other touchdown. But the interesting note I take away, Joe Mixon, seven receptions, 40 yards, eight targets. Now, this is a back-and-forth game. Yes, the Bengals wound up having to win this game at the end, but this game was close. It was what we call a neutral game script pretty much the entire game. And this is when Joe Mixon actually gets involved in the passing game. If it's a negative game script, Samaja Perrine gets worked in an annoying clip in the passing game. Now, the reason why he only winds up with one target. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. 
Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. One catch 10 yards compared to Joe Mixon, who looked more like the workhorse back. It's because it was neutral game script. If it stays neutral or pro, Joe Mixon gets worked in. And in that scenario, he's a true bell cow back. It's only when the Bengals are in a negative game script. And I'm curious to see if that continues. I mean, even if it's not Samaja Perrine, Chris Evans kind of charts out to be a similar type of running back, maybe even a little bit more athletic than a Samaja Perrine next season. But at the same time, Joe Mixon won. He looked pretty healthy in this game to me. I know he wasn't super efficient on the ground, but just in general, he looks like he's over that ankle issue that has kind of plagued him here and there throughout the year. But he finally has a season where he's healthy. And what happens? He's a dynamo RB1. He's one of the few RB1s, by the way, who's able to stay healthy all season long. He didn't miss a game, remember? He was limited a couple of games, but he didn't miss any time this year. It's a big thing for Joe Mixon. And the only thing that's left to improve on this offense is the offensive line. If that gets better with these weapons growing, we might be looking at the new future number one offense in the NFL before too long. That's a real possibility with how loaded these guys are. Now, we'll see if Tyler Boyd hangs around. They're going to have to make some decisions. But even if he doesn't, you're still talking about Jamar Chase, a T. Higgins, a Joe Mixon, a Joe Burrow. It's moving in the right direction. And who knows? Who knows what happens in the AFC? Because to me, the AFC is wide open. There's not one true dominant team in the AFC. It should be the Chiefs, but the Chiefs continue to not play up to their potential offensively. I know they put up 31 points here, but it was kind of the grinded out 31 points. Patrick Mahomes was, once again, good, not great. 259 yards, two touchdowns. We'll say this, at least he was able to put together a strong playoff outing. Because if you stuck with Patrick Mahomes, you made the playoffs, you wanted to keep playing him, he didn't dud out at any point in the playoffs like he was doing in the regular season at times. So that's, that's the good news with a Patrick Mahomes. 259 yards, two touchdowns. That's not the special performance you're necessarily hoping for either. And he spread the ball around to some degree. None of the, none of the pass catchers really went off here. Tyreek Hill was the lead targeted guy with 10, but he had six catches for 40 yards. That's it. Travis Kelsey gets the touchdown, but only five catches for 25 yards outside of that. It was the running game. It was the running back. Darrell Williams. Once again, Darrell Williams showing that without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in this offense, he's an RB2 who, dare I say it, can have low-end RB1 upside at any given week. He has two touchdowns on 88 yards rushing. And he tacks on three receptions for 19 yards in the passing game. What, to me, this is showing is that I don't know why, to this day, they drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round. And before you try to jump on that, we're like, whoa, did everybody like that? No, go back on the tape. Go back on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show. Go back on your favorite pod streaming app. You'll see. Go back on YouTube. I was screaming to the rooftops. That needed to be DeAndre Swift, not Clyde Edwards Lair. He's not big enough. He's not explosive enough. I think some ways it holds back the offense, especially in this year where teams have kind of figured out, look, if we can limit the big play and limit Tyreek Hill, limit Travis Kelsey from killing us single-handedly, 
you can kind of limit this offense. They have nowhere else to turn. They don't have that that third option, that Sammy Watkins option in the passing game. And it took Andy Reid almost all season to be like, you know what? This offensive line that we invested all this money in, let's get physical. Let's grind out some games. The defense got better. And that's what the Chiefs have been doing last couple of weeks. Not the offense, not Mahomes. They are getting more physical and playing good defense. They're winning games that way. Now, they can put the whole thing together. That's why the Chiefs still have the potential to be the best team in the AFC, in my opinion. But they're not playing all three phases that well synced. So I think it's going to be interesting, the AFC playoffs especially. It's going to be wide open. Let's talk about Tennessee and Miami. So Tennessee, whoo-hoo. Talk about a team that if I'm in the AFC, I want no part of. That's Tennessee. They are hitting their stride at the right time. They're struggling for a while. They had no A.J. Brown, no Derrick Henry. Now they get Brown back. and Brown didn't perform in this game, and he probably sunk a lot of people's championships, quite frankly, with a two-catch, 41-yard performance on just five targets. And all of that had to do with the fact that Dante Foreman got to do his Derrick Henry impression this week. 26 carries, 132 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. They physically beat up Miami. A Miami defense, by the way, that had been on fire up until this point. A Miami team in general that was on a seven-game winning streak. And they wound up losing this one. 34-3. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even a contest. Ryan Tannehill only threw the ball 18 times. And he had two passing touchdowns. Unfortunately, both of them going to tight ends. Not the A.J. Brown, who's probably the only pass catcher on the, on, on the Titans that you were ever playing to begin with. But they got Derrick Henry back coming on the way. It sounds really possible Derrick Henry's going to be back for the playoffs. If you have Derrick Henry back, A.J. Brown's looking healthy and good to go. And the defense, that's the key. Early in the season, this was a defense that you wanted to play all of your pass catchers against. That no longer is the case. Their young secondary that is talented but just wasn't playing well early on has settled in. You can't run on this team anymore. Not efficiently, anyway. The pass rush is still lacking, but they've gotten better at generating it over the past month or so. Makes it very... And Tennessee's going to be a very interesting team in these playoffs. Obviously, ahead in the next week, I wouldn't expect to see Derrick Henry come back for the last week of the season. I think they'll, they'll save him to the NFL playoffs, although they think he's going to come back and do some practice this week at least. So if you had Donta Foreman, you're, you're going to keep, obviously, riding him. There's still some things for Tennessee to play for. As we get moving into our, our waiver wire report tomorrow and then Wednesday night, we're going to do what we've done the last couple of weeks or in the holiday season, which is we're going to preview the entire week on Wednesday night in a, in a two-hour special episode. Me and Chris Dahauer will be... When we do that, we'll talk more about what it is you're, if you're playing week 18 championships, more what it is that you're looking for. But don't worry, we're all going to talk about some betting tips for you guys, some betting picks of the week. We're going to try to win you some money in case, you know, you're a normal person and a smart person and you don't play in a fantasy football league that has their championship going in the week 18 because of the extra variables that we'll have to take in consideration that we'll talk about then. On the Dolphins side, Tua Tagovailoa, very mediocre. And as a result, none of the pass catchers of the Dolphins were able, really able to get going. Jalen Waddle, of course, being the biggest disappointment. I don't know how much I was going to play Devontae Parker. And Mike Isicki was in that streaming territory tight ends, but definitely not a must play. 
The guy you were counting on to come through is Jalen Waddle because even though Tennessee's defense is settled in, you still should be able to take care of take care of business as a slot receiver. And Waddle has always been number one targeted guy, but that was the problem in this game. He wasn't. He had seven targets, just like Aseki did. The number one targeted guy was Devontae Parker, who was completely blank the week before, had 13 targets in this game. That was the big difference. Waddle didn't get the normal volume that he gets to make up for Tua not having a great day. Usually when Tua has you know a mediocre 205-yard day, 38 pass attempts, well, that's because you know 15 of them went to Jalen Waddle. That didn't happen this game. That's why he disappointed. The Dolphins have a lot of things they got to figure out before they head into 2022. Now, technically, they're still not out of the playoffs yet either, but they got to figure out the running game. Duke Johnson, I guess, in a way, led the way. Seven carries only, 49 yards. It was actually pretty good when he touched the ball. Miles Gaskin, not Philip Lindsay, was the second running back to Duke Johnson, unlike last week where it was all Philip Lindsay. I guarantee you this. The Dolphins, for the third year under Brian Flores, are going to have a different offensive coordinator heading into 2022. I'm telling you that right now. Because they were very disappointing. All Outside of Jalen Waddle, this offense was disappointing. And they have no continuity in the running game. They don't have a lot of continuity in playing in call playing general. And this was probably their worst year compared to under Chad O'Shea and, and Chan Gailey the last two years previously. So I would not be surprised the Dolphins are yet again making another offensive coordinator change. And I just want the people out there who hate to attack Lavoa, take that into consideration. This guy has not had the same offensive coordinator since he's come into the league. You cannot tell me that's not a big factor in hindering his development on top of the fact that this he still only has played, what, a season and a half worth of games in his career because of injury. I'm still in on Tua to see what he becomes. I have not... I'm not given my stamp of you're a bust or anything else. I'm not definitive one way or another on Tua Tagovailoa. I still think there's a lot of talent there. The Dolphins offensively just need to get their act together. They also have one of the worst offensive lines in all of football, too. All right, what I want to do, though, is I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got more games, of course, the recaps. Everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. 
Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show streaming to you live on social media at Show. We are always available to you on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss an episode. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app so you can catch us on your commute to and from work. Research us, search us on the MD's Face Football Show, on the Amazon App Store for your Fire TV and Android devices, and our best one yet, TikiLive.com. Search for the Belly Up Sports channel, TikiLive slash channel slash Belly Up. We're going to have a lot more content coming there. Right now, we're the main show on there. But you can watch us free live streaming television on any device, web browser, whatever, anywhere. We're widely available to you guys. And that will continue to grow as we head into next year. 2022, baby. It's going to be the best year for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And again, that's all thanks to the loyalty and the support of MD Nation, of this little following that we have continued to grow and will continue to keep expanding upon as we move forward and get better and better and better. We want more MD Nation championships. We want more fun. We want to be smarter. We want to win more money. All those things are what we're constantly working towards every single day. And this year, I'm not going on hiatus. Years past, usually Super Bowl ends. Take about a month off, month and a half, till a free agency starts. That's not going to happen. Now, we're not going to be five times a week like we normally are during the regular season. It's just going to be once a week. And then we'll ramp back up again, you know, in August. But we're going to constantly be here for you guys, constantly answering questions for you guys on social media at all times. A more of a focus on Dynasty. We'll be doing our draft special again this year. If you didn't catch that last year, we did, we did two days. We did the first three rounds. We even had, we had some pick betting analysis along with our fantasy football analysis and just NFL NFL draft talk. We had uh, we had over I think we had over almost ninety guests this year. I haven't confirmed it yet, but this year we might be doing all three days. We're definitely going to do the first two days. We might be doing all three days. Even more guests, more fun, more of it all. All of that's to look forward to throughout the offseason with the MDs fantasy football show. Very excited. I'm also very excited to continue on the recapping of the Week 17 Sunday afternoon games. So let's dive into the Falcons and the Buffalo Bills. Look, Josh Allen wasn't the most consistent this year, especially compared to last season. But quarterbacks in general had a down year. I mean, frankly, offenses in general had a bit of a down year, especially fantasy-wise. But Josh Allen in this game against the Falcons just shows you why he probably has the highest floor-to-ceiling ratio Of any quarterback. Because in this game. He goes 11 of 26. 120 yards passing. Zero passing touchdowns. And three interceptions. And still. Still puts together a great fantasy day. Why? He has 81 yards rushing. And two rushing touchdowns. That's why. That's what Josh Allen is. From a fantasy perspective. He's the only guy I truly believe at this point who can really do something like Lamar Jackson might be able to, but Lamar Jackson also doesn't have the ceiling passing that Josh Allen has to go along with it. Devin Singletary. I wish I would have had the balls to rank him higher. I really do. I had him at 25, 24, that low in RB2, high in RB3 range. 
The only thing I was really confident about was that he would get to work as the lead back for Buffalo because I had been trending in that direction that this was a good matchup. And that Devin Singletary was a guy that in, in, in DraftKings, I played him. That, and I was happy about that, $5,400 in DraftKings. That, that made me happy. But I wish I would have had the balls, the cojones, to move him up a little further than that. 23 carries, 110 yards, two touchdowns. The question all offseason is going to be this. And maybe we get some more idea about it because, you know, the Bills are a team going to the playoffs. So we might get more of an idea as this thing plays out before we have to hit 20, the 2022 season. But will he get to be the lead guy? Zach Moss is flamed out at this point. He's not explosive. He's not overly powerful. He can't stay healthy. Matt Breida, we already know he's a backup guy. Nothing to really worry about there. Devin Singletary, when given the opportunity to be the lead guy, generally speaking, has been pretty good. And he fits his offense well because he can do a little bit of everything. This is not an offense that's ever going to be centered around the running back. I don't say the running game because Josh Allen's part of that running game. But around the running back, they're never going to be that offense. That's not what they are built to be. But Singletary can do a little bit of everything. He is a decent pass catcher. He does have a little explosive ability. He's a decent runner. I'm going to be very interested to see if they don't maybe just let him be the guy next year. It's going to depend on what happens in the offseason, what moves they decide to make at the running back position, if any. Stephon Diggs was kind of disappointing this season. Yeah, he was. Especially the kind of year he had last year, and it wasn't shaping up to be too different. Five catches, 52 yards, nine targets in this game. Again, Josh Allen had a horrible day passing the football, so it's not surprising to see that none of the receivers really came through. Can Stephon Diggs bounce back? Yeah, remember he came into this year with a little bit of an injury. I think that kind of hindered him, and he never really truly got going, at least not on a consistent basis at any point this season. There's going to be other mouths to feed. I think Gabriel Davis is ready to take the next step up. We'll see who the slot receiver winds up being. I don't buy into Isaiah McKenzie being the guy moving forward, and we'll see if they move on from Cole Beasley. They're definitely going to move on from Emmanuel Sanders, but Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, is a real thing. Dawson Knox, I think, might be a real thing again next year, too, although he definitely dudded you out in this game. Dawson Knox is a big reason why people lost their championships this week. It should have been a smash spot, and he did get targeted twice in the end zone, but that's the only two times he got targeted. Again, Allen had a horrible day passing. This was all about Devin Singletary and Allen's legs for Buffalo. On the flip side, the Falcons, they weren't without, without their fair share of disappointments as well. Cordell Patterson, nine carries, 28 yards, two catches, 24 yards, doesn't get in the end zone, and just finishes out his complete dud performance throughout the fantasy playoffs. Really disappointing. He was a big reason that got you there in the first place, so... People didn't want to bench him. I didn't want to bench him. I still have him as an RB24. I still have him as somebody you were playing as an RB2. You just couldn't not. You knew he was still a big part of the offense. He's still the most explosive weapon that they have. But defense is keyed in on him at the end of the year. And as a result, the entire Atlanta offense pretty much crumbled. Mike Davis was the one, of course, who wound up getting the touchdown in this game. It's going to be real interesting to see what Atlanta does next offseason. Do they bring back a Cordell Patterson? Does he stay fantasy relevant? They got to figure you're going to move on from Mike Davis for sure. But Matt Ryan, that's going to be another guy that do you hold on for another year? Do you try to trade him? And by the way, I don't think Matt Ryan's done. Look, look at this team. You Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley went on a, a mental leave, never came back. It was without Julio Jones. I mean, there's just not a lot of weapons here. This Atlanta offense in general is just 
not in a good position for the majority of the season. And they were still able to be competitive for the most part. I don't think Matt Ryan's done. He has to be in a, a good situation. He's got to have at least three legitimate weapons around him, I think, to be a good quarterback again or a good fantasy quarterback again. But I'd be interested to see if he got away from Atlanta, what would happen? Kyle Pitts is another interesting one. He only had two catches in this game, 69 yards. That was enough, though, to set the rookie record for yards. And when when you hear that out loud, when I heard that, you know, he set the rookie record with, well, he got a thousand yards. You know, the only other tight end to do that since Mike Ditka, rookie tight end, that is. And you hear that and you think to yourself, but this felt like a very disappointing fantasy performance ultimately for Kyle Pitts. And you're not wrong. He didn't get any touchdowns. I really hope he doesn't get that Julio Jones Atlanta curse where you're allowed to get all these receptions and yards, but you're never allowed to score. I just hope that doesn't wind up being the case. But it just didn't feel like he had that great of a rookie year. It just didn't. Let's talk about this game. We don't have to spend too much time on it. New England Patriots, Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, the Patriots did whatever they wanted to do. That's what we expected to have happen in this game. The Jaguars had no answers offensively. Also, what we expected to have happen in this game, 50-10. to 10. The only thing to note, Damian Harris... It was kind of disappointing that he didn't wind up having a bigger day because he had two touchdowns right off the bat to kick off this game, and then he pulls his hamstring injury. I mean, he was on his way to another RB1 overall performance for the second week in a row in your fantasy football playoffs. Ramondre Stevenson instead has a great game. Maybe you're in deeper leagues. You actually played him. 19 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. And you would think four touchdowns on the ground, well, that means the passing game get to do anything. Wrong. Mac Jones still had three passing touchdowns to go along with it. 22 of 30, 227 yards. Look, Jacksonville's a mess. They got a complete rebuild, continue complete rebuild on their hands, but probably a complete organizational change. We already know it's going to be a new head coach. They did say they want to keep keep Trent Bulky as the GM. Why? I'm not really sure. It'll be interesting to see who they wind up bringing in there to try to right the ship for Jacksonville. For those of you out there with the question of, does Tre- is Trevor Lawrence going to be a bust? My answer is no. Stop. I mean, what more could have went wrong for this guy this season for you guys not to look at this and say this was a washed rookie year and his poor performance? Sure, he's the one performing. So yes, he has something to do with it. But could he, could he have been in a worse situation? Not this year. Not in 2021. He definitely could not have been. There's no way. He has the most talent of any rookie quarterback that came out. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, is there the possibility that because this is Jacksonville and they find ways to screw things up time and time and time again? Yeah, there's that possibility where he gets Jacksonville and winds up never being the quarterback that he should and I think will be. But I'm not selling on Trevor Lawrence. And if you're in Dynasty Leagues out there and you got somebody in your league who's like already ready to call Trevor Lawrence a bust, and you can buy low on a Trevor Lawrence out there, Oh, please do so. Please do so. My goodness. We haven't seen a quarterback with his kind of talent since Andrew Luck. And remember, Andrew Luck didn't have the best of rookie years either. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I think everybody could agree that Andrew Luck in his prime, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think it's a matter of time for Trevor Lawrence. A lot of things they got to correct over there personnel-wise, coaching-wise, but yeah, I'm not selling the ship on Trevor Lawrence. Let's all calm down a little bit from that, please. I'm not going to bother talking about the pass catchers. Laquan Treadwell led the way. Six catches, 87 yards. Who cares? If you streamed Dare Agumboale, he at least came through a few with that garbage time, late game touchdown in the receiving game. He only had nine carries, 36 yards, but he does get that one touchdown, two catches, 32-yard performance. He gave you a high in RB3, which I think is pretty much what you're streaming him to be, which would be a flex play. So he came through. It took the whole entire game, but he wound up coming through. Here's a name of note. Christian Wilkerson for the Patriots. Four receptions, 42 yards, had two touchdowns. He played the most out of all of the Patriot wide receivers. Now, part of that could have been because they were blowing them out and there was no real reason to continue playing their main starters. And Nelson Aguilar was out. It was just a very interesting name. Nikhil Harry was a healthy and active even with Nelson Aguilar out so Christian Wilkerson could play. Just interesting. Patriots always find these no-name guys to kind of come in and contribute. There's really not a whole lot to take out of this game, though, one way or another, other than Jacksonville stinks and the Patriots are a good to very good team with a good running back situation. Next year, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, though, they're going to be in a committee. And it's going to make both of them low-end RB2s, high-end RB3s. Because it's not going to be one guy over the other. They're both pretty talented, and they're both on their contract for another year or two. Let's move into the Raiders and the Colts in this one. Raiders pulling out, I was surprised. I really did not think, as long as Carson Wentz played, I really didn't think the Raiders were going to win this game. I didn't think they really had any chance. 23 to 20, they pull it out, keep their playoff hopes alive in the process. Derek Carr, okay, 255 yards, a touchdown, two picks. Zay Jones, though, and he had been somebody who had been ramping up volume-wise over the past couple of weeks, especially as teams have kind of, you know, hung in there on Hunter Renfro more and more. 10 targets, 8 catches, 120 yards. Brian Edwards has gone more to the wayside. Deshaun Jackson's gone more to the wayside. Now, there's some reporting out there that they're hoping Darren Waller comes back, which, I mean, really, at this point, they hope that every single week. But I guess he's not. There was some reports early, uh, late in the week last week where it sounded like Darren Waller was definitely going to be done for the season. And then now, now, all of a sudden, the Raiders are like, oh, well, hopeful maybe he still has a chance. I, I don't know. It's weird. I doubt he plays. Hunter Renfro and now Zay Jones have really taken over the volume of that offensive attack. And Hunter Renfro wound up having a very good game. And he was he was he was a locked in wide receiver too for me heading into the matchup. Seven catches, 76 yards, a touchdown on nine targets. He does very well against zone. That's primarily what Indianapolis Colts run. But the teams that are playing more man, they're starting to double and bracket Hunter Renfro in the middle. 
And even in this game, if he's not the clear-cut targeted guy, I don't necessarily trust what his fantasy floor is. He's playing really well right now. It's going to be very interesting to dissect and analyze him going into 2022 because what do you what do you look at? Do you look at the beginning of the season when Darren Waller was healthy? Because if you do, well, Renfro wasn't really fantasy relevant because he wasn't getting enough volume. Now he gets a ton of volume and explodes and is a prime time, a prime reason why you made the fantasy playoffs, why you make your fantasy championship. But all that's without Darren Waller. Can those two coexist and still be fantasy relevant? That's going to be the question heading into next year. A lot of things I cannot wait to dive into with you guys as we start the process over the offseason. Josh Jacobs, he's going to be interesting heading to 2022. I actually think he's trending up. 16 carries, 63 yards, a touchdown this game. Four receptions, 17 yards, four targets. You know, even though he's been a bell cow back, or I should say a main back, his entire career so far, and he's starting to get to that age where he's either going to be able to keep doing what he's doing or usually running backs kind of start to teeter off a little bit. I actually think he's trending up. Because without John Gruden, he's suddenly allowed to be this excellent or at least used pass catcher, which we've all wanted him to be, knowing that was his best skill set coming out of college. He's finally allowed to be that guy. This is somebody who's been getting 20 opportunities at least consistently since John Gruden went away. There's not many running backs out there who can say the same thing. Next year, what happens if they improve the offensive line and he's that bell cow from week one? Josh Jacobs is somebody who might be on the rise, especially if they can prove that offensive line. That's going to be crucial. Now, the guy who is going to be the number one running back overall, without a doubt, Jonathan Taylor on the other side, 20 carries, 108 yards, gets a touchdown, one catch, six yards. Great performance. You'll take it. Once again, Jonathan Taylor coming through for you guys in a big, big way. No surprise there. Frank Reich has fully decided he is all in on making Jonathan Taylor the offense for the Colts as the bell cow. A little bit less of mixing in Naeem Hines for absolutely no reason at all, although Naeem Hines did operate more as the pass catching back in this game, four catches, 14 yards on four targets. But we've seen Taylor be the lead pass catching guy too. We've seen him be a bell cow. And no, Naeem Hines isn't going anywhere contractually speaking, but they found something when they turned to Taylor as the main part of the offense. Carson Wentz, look, do you want to say he didn't have any practice all week, dealing with COVID, coming off of COVID, how did that hinder him? All legitimate questions, but just, ugh, it was ugly. 16 and 27, 148 yards. He had the one touchdown that went to T.Y. Hilton, which was his only catch on the day. And as a result, Michael Pittman winds up being disappointing. Six catches, 47 yards on six targets. I think my problem with Michael Pittman in moving in the future is that he needs the volume. He's not a big play guy. He doesn't get as many touchdowns for being a bigger bodied wide receiver as you would think. And I would be shocked if the Colts didn't bring in another receiver to at least be a 1A, 1B with Michael Pittman. And he's really needed the volume to stabilize his floor, especially since he's cooled off since the beginning of the season when the Colts were still trying to kind of make their offense more around Carson Wentz than Jonathan Taylor at that time. Since the switch happened, Pittman still gets the volume, so he's been fantasy relevant, but not the same guy that he was. And I, I kind of worry what happens if they add another legitimate pass catcher. 
what happens then? Pittman might be somebody who's trending down. And that, that, that'll depend on what happens in the offseason. It's not a given the Colts to definitively go get another wide receiver out there, but just something to kind of keep your eye on for dynasty purposes, especially. Now let's move into the Eagles-Washington game. Jalen Hurts, I mean, that was really one of the bigger disappointments of the week. You're playing Washington. The best matchup you could have as a quarterback. Hurts has been a top-five guy all year. You had to play him. But but since the Eagles made this transition to a run-first team, he's had some dud games because if he doesn't get that rushing touchdowns, He's not throwing the ball enough to establish a floor as a quarterback. What happened in this game? Well, he had 44 yards on the ground, 214 yards, but he had no touchdowns, no passing touchdowns, no rushing touchdowns. It's not going to win you a lot of weeks. It was very disappointing in this match against Washington, especially coming off the week they did against Dallas, where it was like Dallas' offense could do no wrong. You're hoping the Eagles, at least Jalen Hurts in particular, would get a piece of that action heading into this week. It didn't happen. Boston Scott actually wound up acting as the main running back. 14 carries of Jordan Howard's 11, 47 to his 26. He winds up having the two rushing touchdowns go along with it. Now, Howard clearly wound up being a little bit more limited from the Stinger injury than we were anticipating heading into the game. We knew it was going to be a committee, but still expected Howard to get more of the carries by the end of it. That didn't wind up happening. I do wonder next week if Howard's a little more healthy, does it not go to Howard as far as who, who's going to see more carries? But the more surprising part was that Boston Scott had just as many red zone touches as Jordan Howard did, and he's the one who wants to converting the two touchdowns as a result. I think both these guys are playing. If you're going to head into Week 18, we know we know Miles Sanders is not going to play Week 18. If he's back at all, we'll be back for the wild card round. It's it's a split. They're both RB threes. It's going to matter which one finds the end zone. That's what's going to come down to. So they're going to be viable plays. But I'll give you this. Dallas Goddard today, talk about in a second, six catches, 71 yards, seven targets. He went on the COVID list. So keep your eyes on that if you need Dallas Goddard for one more week or DFS-wise even. Now, because of the new protocols, he can be back in five days. So he could be back before the next game. But keep this in mind, guys. Now, we haven't really seen it too much with tight ends yet. We, I guess we saw a little bit with Travis Kelsey, but it was hard to take too much away from one guy one time. But keep this in mind, players coming back off that COVID list, that first game back, they don't seem to play their full amount of snaps that they normally play. And their production, fantasy-wise, takes a noticeable hit that first game back from COVID. And I was saying this to Chris last week. We talked about this quite a bit. It seemed to be affecting the pass catchers more than the running backs. But this past week, we have, we've had some examples of running backs are coming back off of COVID. They weren't the same either. So it almost feels like that first game back off of COVID, it's very, very hard to trust unless you just know that player is going to get his full plethora of snaps, which is kind of hard to determine. DeMonta Smith, three catches, 54 yards, six targets. A very uneven rookie year for him. It'll be interesting to see what the Eagles do moving forward, but this continues to be a run-first team. It's going to be hard to trust really any pass catchers unless they're completely consolidated I mean, Goddard, Smith, they'll continue to be fancy options unless the Eagles bring in another legitimate third option and what could be one of the more run-heavy teams, not just finishing out this year, but 2022 too. And that's going to probably depend on, is Hurts still the quarterback or do they make a splash move for Deshaun Watson or something of that nature? That's going to be a team worth worth keeping an eye on the offseason, the Philadelphia Eagles. Washington side of things, 
Jared Patterson actually wound up being the lead guy. He played the Antonio Gibson lead role. 12 carries, 57 yards, gets the rushing touchdown. Jonathan Williams, we thought might be in a committee with him, only two carries. Wendell Smallwood actually had four carries in this game. So it was a Jared Patterson show without Antonio Gibson, essentially. Still nothing to really ride home about, but just an interesting note in case Gibson misses week 18. And at this point, I don't see why they would trot Gibson out there at the end of the, at the, end of the year. Anyway, they have nothing to play for. Terry McLaurin, seven catches, 61 yards on eight targets. In a strange way, it's been one of the better games Terry McLaurin's had this season. Man, oh man, him and Allen Robinson. Like, if they could just team up and go where Aaron Rodgers is going or just find a quarterback. Like, remember how excited we were that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the starting quarterback for Washington for Terry McLaurin. Fitzpatrick's not even a good quarterback. It's just the fact that he has the track record of being able to get his number one receiver the ball. Washington obviously is going to have to do something to address the quarterback position heading into next season, but Terry McLaurin, man, he really got robbed of what should have been a big star-studded breakout year for him because the quarterback play was so shoddy for Washington this entire season. And at least the only thing I could take out of it's a silver lining is at least we can all agree that Taylor Heineke, the success he had in the playoffs last year, was not a reflection of the NFL quarterback he actually is on a consistent basis. Okay, so can we put that one to bed? Can we move on and get McLaurin a real quarterback so we can see what he can really do? Because that's what I want to see next season. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we'll finish out the rest of the recap for the Week 17 Sunday afternoon games. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We still got more for you right after this. It's the holiday season, and you don't know what to gift as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Catch us on YouTube by subscribing. You'll never miss an episode. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app so you can listen to us on your commute. Search for the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store to fire us up on your Fire TV or Android devices. Or if you just want to watch us anywhere on any device, web browser, app, download the Tiki Live app. Look us up on the web browser, tikilive.com slash channel slash bellyup. 
There's going to be a lot of content on that channel. It won't just be us. For now, right now it is, but it will be a lot of great sports content on that channel. Free live streaming television. It's going to be big. It's going to be a big thing in 2022. I'm telling you that right now because we're going to have some really great stuff for you guys to tune into. Not just this show, but especially this show because you're part of MD Nation and you're watching us and or listening to us right now, which I greatly appreciate because your support has what led to us being able to continue to grow to more platforms, more places, and continue to get better. That's what we're all here for. You're here to get better as a fantasy football player. I'm here to get better as a fantasy football analyst to help you become a fantasy football player and to have fun in the process. A lot of changes coming for the MD's Fantasy Football Show as we move into what's going to be our fourth season in 2022. Yeah, four. It's going to be four. Very excited about it. Very excited. Very excited about where we started and where we're coming now and what's what's down in store for us in the future. But let's continue on with this Week 17 Sunday recap. We still got about six more games to go before we call it a show. Not a lot of time needs to be spent on this matchup, though. We got the Chicago Bears, the New York Giants. The Giants forgot there was a football game. <laughs> Mike Glennon had 11 pass attempts. They lost this game to 29-3, to and Mike Glennon had 11 pass attempts and apparently picked up an injury along the way. Jake Fromm is going to be the starting quarterback for Week 18, and there's nobody to pull him and replace him with. Nobody. So, woof, nude Nelly. Look, the Giants weren't a team that you were keen in on going into this week anyway, and I had Barkley still listed as an RB2. Because overall, the volume had just been there. Okay, I know he had disappointing volume-wise, passing game-wise in week 16. But leading up to the point, I'm like, look, you're still the lead running back. Chicago's the best matchup they've had in a while. He was my RB18. I didn't feel good about it. And I didn't blame you if you wanted to bench Saquon Barkley. And it wasn't like benching him probably lost in the championship or anything like that. But... It's worth noting, and I was shocked when I saw this. I didn't pull this up, by the way. I found this on social media. This was the first 100-yard rushing game for Saquon Barkley since 2019. Two years. It's been two years since Saquon Barkley had a 100-yard rushing performance. 21 of 102. He didn't do anything in the passing game, by the way. And neither really did Booker. I mean, he had two catches, zero yards, and three targets. The interesting note for this, especially heading into next week with Jake Fromm at the quarterback, Booker had 18 carries. Now, obviously, he wasn't anywhere near efficient as Saquon was, 4.9 yards to 2.8, which, I mean, that's the way it should be. If Saquon's ever going to get back to the player he is, he should be that much more efficient than a, a Devontae Booker, especially. But it was a split almost, you know, 55-45 split, basically, between a Barkley and a Booker. Now, the Giants went all in on the run, no matter what, and I'm going to assume they're probably going to do the same thing next week. So believe it or not, Barkley is going to be a play in Week 18 because it's going to be enough for both these guys to eat because it looks like they, just, they have no interest in passing the football. <laughs> they're, they're, they're done with that experiment. I will say this, too. The other cool thing about Saquon in this game, besides the 100-yard total, was that it wasn't like he came off of one big play. His longest run in this game was 10 yards. So he was consistently being efficient running the football in this game all year long. Now, I don't know if Saquon can ever get back to any kind of semblance of the player that he was. Maybe he does, maybe he won't. That's really that that's really going to be hard to determine heading into next season. A lot of things have to improve around him. 
along with the question of can he ever actually play a full season again? Doesn't seem to necessarily be in the cards. Will he ever get explosive again? That seems to be the bigger question. But if he sticks with the Giants, he's likely to continue being the lead back. So we will be paying attention to him from a fantasy standpoint. Even if he were to leave, we probably would too. But the Giants are probably the best case for him to continue the volume that he's going to need for us to feel safe about him being an RB2 with any kind of potential of him maybe returning to some sort of form that he was his rookie season. I don't know if it can happen at this point. There's a lot of things that have to happen with the Giants. A lot of questions that need to be answered. Are they going to stick with Joe Judge? Are they really going to bring back Daniel Jones, David Gellman? I, I can't see why they would. I know that's a story that's been getting floated out. It's a possibility, though, but man alive. How can you, if you're a Giants fan, how can you go through this again? You had one catch for 12 yards out of Evan Ingram and David Sills, and that was your top passing attack. You spent all this money on Kenny Galladay, who's been a bust no matter who's been at the quarterback position. I mean, this it it's it's disgusting. It really is. And if they don't clean house after this season, I mean, what would it take? On the flip side, we go to Chicago Bears. Justin Fields misses this game. Andy Dalton gets yet another start. 18 of 35, 173 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Darnell Mooney once again operates as the lead receiver. He had seven catches for 69 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. Usually I was a little bit worried. I, I knocked down Darnell Mooney a little bit in my rankings because I was worried about Allen Robinson. While Allen Robinson, from a productive standpoint, and once again in this game, hasn't been productive all year long for a various amount of reasons. Four catches, 35 yards, but he has six targets. He just he's When he's out there, he gets enough targets to kind of take away from Darnell Mooney. But Mooney was able to get the touchdown this game, so he was able to give you a good fantasy performance. You probably use them in the flex if you use them at all, or maybe as your third receiver, depending upon what kind of options you had because it was the Giants matchup. That's going to be an interesting name going into next season, too, with Justin Fields getting another year under his belt. And now Robinson, please go find a quarterback to go play with. Please, for your for your own sake, for my sake, for everybody's sake, we want to see you be good. We know you're good. What a disappointing, what a dud. Very few did it out more than Al Robinson, especially when taking consideration where you drafted him and what we expected out of him. And Matt Nagy, go away. I'll tell you who wasn't disappointing in this game, though. That was David Montgomery. Now, he wasn't efficient. 2.9 yards of carry on the ground here, but 64 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns and the one thing we got to take away from especially the second half of the season is that even though Khalil Herbert looked good when David Montgomery was out it did not matter David Montgomery is one of the few guys out there who's a true bell cow back in every situation both receiving and rushing no matter the game script it's just going to be a matter can the offense improve can the offensive line get better can they get a better offensive mind calling the plays we know what David Montgomery can be, a la last year. The volume's there. He's going to be a very exciting guy to think about come in 2022. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Chargers and the Denver Broncos. Another game we don't have to spend a lot of time on. Broncos. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is necessarily still in the cards, but whether it's Rodgers or Watson or whoever, get a quarterback. You don't even need a superstar quarterback. I mean, a superstar quarterback would be great because then this offense could go off the chain, but at least get a competent one. Even a Jimmy Garoppolo in this offense, what that would do with these weapons, 
Cortland Sutton's another receiver. We talk, and we talk about McLaurin today, Allen Robinson, Cortland Sutton. So I don't want to see this guy get wasted. I don't want to see Jerry Judy get wasted because they can't get competent quarterback play. Watching Drew Locke makes you want to, and he actually had one of his better games in this one. And I still had my eyes rolling in the back of my head watching him play. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. The big disappointing factor was the running backs. You're playing against the Chargers. Everyone has had tremendous success against the Los Angeles Chargers running the football. These two running backs have been RB2s are better, even while splitting the work for 90% of the season. They're disappointing last week. You're like, fine, it's just one of those games. For it to happen again the second week in a row, shocking. And it really probably killed you. I mean, 10 carries, 43 yards for Gordon. Really not bad on a per-carry basis, 4.3. But Javante Williams, 14 carries, 30 yards. I mean, woof, woof. Terrible. Terrible. Neither one that involved in the passing game. Melvin Gordon a little bit more. Three catches, 29 yards. But neither one of them score. That It was just a bad performance, a bad timing performance of what should have been a smash matchup here. Again, 2022 will be interesting. Do they bring back Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams get his shot to be a bell cow back? Tell me right now, Javante Williams, and I think everybody can pretty much agree with this at this point, if he gets the workload next year, he's an RB1, period. You can draft Javante in the first round next year if Melvin Gordon's gone. They don't bring anybody else of note to replace him. Oh, man. Oh, man. Quarterback or not, he's the one safe guy that I feel great about with the Denver Broncos moving forward. I'll say this, Noah Fant, six catches, 92 yards, a touchdown, seven targets. Really had his best stretch of the season with Drew Locke at the quarterback position, believe it or not. But, again, I hope they get a quarterback. I just hope they do for 2022. On the Chargers side, Herbert was okay. It wasn't necessarily a smash matchup or anything like that anyway, but he was just okay. 237 yards, two touchdowns, didn't kill you, didn't win it for you either, but didn't lose it for you. Mike Williams, three catches, 63 yards, touchdown on four targets. I think he's gone. I don't think he's coming back at all. And we saw the best of Mike Williams, right? Beginning of the season, we saw the best of him. He is what he is. That's a wide receiver three who's got big play upside, but never consistent enough to really be able to trust him week in, week out. Keenan Allen, four catches, 44 yards, a touchdown, nine targets. Just a target monster, usually has a safe floor, gets a touchdown. This one gets the job done. The surprise here really was the, the split in the backfield. Now, they went run heavy, but 17 carries, 58 yards, a touchdown for Eckler. Three catches, 54 yards. So not a big day, but a decent day, especially, you know, you did we did what you needed him to do. But it was surprising that Justin Jackson had 12 carries to his 17. Now, yes, a lot of that did come in the second half, but Jackson, somebody maybe playing himself into a little bit more of a role. They don't necessarily want to, you know, wear out Austin Eckler, especially if they are able to make the playoffs here, which is still a possibility for the Chargers. It's kind of interesting that Justin Jackson was involved that much in this game. 
let's keep this thing moving low. Let's go talk about San Francisco and Houston. Trey Lance getting his first win as a starter. Remember, he lost the Arizona game. Statistically, in the box score, he was better passing the football. 16 of 23, 249 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. QBR was only 34, though, and that's what I saw in my eye test. The box score, much better than the actual play. Look, I've said this before. I am a San Fran fan. I am not a Trey Lance fan at all. Now, fantasy-wise, will be a totally different story because he's going to run, and he's probably going to run a lot. He's going to be a volume runner. But this is my problem with him. For a mobile quarterback, he's not that explosive. Think about it. Like, he, he doesn't break big runs, ever. He's certainly not a Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray type. He doesn't have that kind of speed, that kind of explosive ability. But I don't think he's as explosive as a Josh Allen or one of the bigger body guys, Jalen Hurts. He runs a lot. He is mobile for a quarterback, obviously. I'm not saying that. But among the mobile quarterbacks in the league, I think he's one of the least explosive ones. He's got this weird hitch in his throwing motion. Actually, watch him play. And it's it's one of the slowest releases I've seen, and I think it's a big reason why a lot of his throws are late. And the guy's got to be wide open for the ball to get there. Just has this like little, it's like this little double clutch hitch motion when he actually goes to release the football. He's got a lot of fundamentals he needs to work out. That's my point. And I am not a Trey Lance fan. And all these San Francisco beat writers want to continue just pounding the crap out of Jimmy Garoppolo for no reason. Drives me nuts. Drives me up a wall. Again, fantasy-wise, different story. Why? Because he's going to run. He ran eight times in this game, 31 yards. Could have had a rushing touchdown, got called back on a holding penalty. Fantasy-wise, he's going to be fine because he's in a good offense with good weapons around him, and he runs. But NFL-wise, I don't think he can hold Jimmy Garoppolo's jockstrap, which is really scary considering that he mortgaged the entire future for Trey Lance to be the franchise guy. Ugh. This gets Houston. A backup backup squad against Houston. And didn't look that good. Now, here's something to take. Elijah Mitchell. 21 carries, 119 yards. Jeff Wilson, he, he did play. He There were snaps. He was on the field at one point. He didn't get any touches. So Elijah Mitchell, clearly back from the knee. And clearly when he's back, he's the lead guy. San Francisco has kind of gotten away from this committee thing that we've come to know in Shanahan for. When when he's had a main guy, he's stuck with that guy. Whether it's Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson this year, he's given the bulk of the work. The question will be, if, if he had Raheem Mostert, would he still be doing that? Or would it be a committee in that sense? That would probably be a little bit different. It would probably be a little bit different. But with Mitchell, if he's healthy, he clearly trusts him to get 20 carries. If that continues on to 2022, Elijah Mitchell is a potential low-end RB1 next season. Give me a 49ers running back who's getting me 20 carries a game. I'm giving you a guy who's probably going to finish the low-end RB1 more times than not, if not higher. So that's going to be interesting to watch out for, too. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if Raheem Mostert made a return to kind of make this more of a committee. Although, who knows how long he stays healthy for. But... 49ers need to win next week, too. They got, they're they in the playoffs right now, but they got to win to make sure they stay in. Mitchell's going to be the guy. You can ride him for another week if you're heading into next week. Debo Samuel, he scores. 
I mean, this guy has found a way to score touchdowns. Even when he's not having the greatest of days productivity-wise, he just he finds the end zone to make sure he gives you that safe floor. Three catches, 63 yards, a touchdown, six targets in this game. He had seven carries, only 19 yards. Wasn't actually very efficient when given opportunities. But the one thing that's remained clear is when you look at that and see Jeff Wilson had zero carries, but Debo Samuel had seven, even with Elijah Mitchell back. Because that was the big thing, right? When Mitchell comes back, Debo Samuel will revert more to being a wide receiver again and kind of take away his ability of being that involved in, in both aspects. Well, clearly, Shanahan has subscribed to the idea that, you know what, he just wants to get him involved one way or another. Whatever whatever shape, form that takes, that's what he wants to do. I don't think that's going away anytime soon either. And again, they have something very big to play. Their playoffs start next week. I mean, technically, I mean, you could say their playoffs started this week, but it was against Houston. Their playoffs start a week early. They start before the wild card round because they got to win to make sure they get it. Brian Ayuk was decent. Four catches, 94 yards on six targets. Why this 49er offense can only seem to feature one guy at a time, I don't know. It really does take away with Ayuk and George Kittle, who, look, we were downgrading Kittle anyway because Trey Lance was the quarterback, but one catch, 29 yards against Houston. I mean, really? He was a dud all throughout the fantasy playoffs, too. Really unfortunate considering what he can do and the fact that you had to play him as a top five guy every single week. I mean, all of us rankers, we all ranked him as a top five guy. Top three most of the time. I actually had him outside my top three for the first time heading into this week, and that was just because it was Trey Lance. But that's what the offense centers around. On Houston's side, they got they went back to being Houston, okay? Like, you know, Rex Burkhead didn't go for 149, 149 yards and two touchdowns. Therefore, they only scored one touchdown. They went to Brandon Cooks, seven receptions, 66 yards on 11 targets. We'll see if Davis Mills is the guy next year. It'll be very interesting. It's another Houston team that a lot of things could happen in the offseason. Let's dive into Dallas and Arizona. Arizona, I don't didn't think they were going to win this game. Pull it out, 25-22. Dak, once again, went back to being mediocre. Now, fantasy-wise, he was actually okay because he didn't have any picks and he had three touchdowns, but only 226 yards, 20 yards on the ground, and just from an NFL standpoint, very mediocre. A big reason why they lost this game. As a result, none of the pass catchers really went off. Michael Gallup, unfortunately, tears his ACL. Now, they said it's a clear tear, so he's going to get a full recovery. That's good and all, but the fact that this injury happened at the very end of the season, on a contract free agent year, even if he is a commodity in free agency, we already know he's going to start off 2022 in the pup list. So fantasy-wise, how valuable is he really for at least 2022? Dynasty-wise, it'll depend on whether he stays with Dallas or not. And he might want to stay with Dallas one more year because he might feel like he needs to prove that he's back from the ACL and able to produce because remember he wasn't able to stay healthy that much this year to begin with <sighs> tough for Michael Gallup very tough as a result what happens well Mari Cooper does his thing but then CeeDee Lamb kicks back out from being primary slot receiver to the outside and you know that that injury to Michael Gallup happened very early on in the game you're expecting CeeDee Lamb to dominate because the slot receiver Hasn't been able to go off in Arizona. Well, he kicks back out to the outside. Well, what happens? Well, Dalton Schultz, 10 targets in this game. Now, he didn't have a gaudy stat line, six receptions, 54 yards, but 
Schultz is somebody who has played himself into a mainstay in this offense, even when all three receivers on the field, something I wasn't expecting. I, I thought when Michael Gallup came back, Schultz would kind of go back to being irrelevant. He's played his way into being a consistent volume-based tight end, which is very difficult to do and very, very valuable. And I don't see why you bother bringing back a Blake Jarwin. Even if you do, I don't see why he would really take away that much from Dalton Schultz, who's just been very good. And you want to keep playing him. CeeDee Lamb wasn't very good throughout the fantasy playoffs. Three catches, 51 yards on four targets in this game. Mari Cooper, you got a touchdown, which saved you from being complete disaster, but three catches, 18 yards on seven targets. And again, that goes back to Dak Prescott being mediocre. And what we thought he might have fixed playing against Washington, apparently, was just because he was playing Washington. And give credit to the Arizona defense. They needed to win this game. They came up with a big, big win when they needed it the most. Arizona Cardinals here, Kyler Murray, 44 yards on the ground, 263 yards passing, two touchdowns. He was good. Wasn't phenomenal. He was good. That's all you need him to be. Next year, hopefully, DeAndre Hopkins is able to stay a little bit more healthy. Hopefully, Kyler Murray himself is able to stay a little bit more healthy from a fantasy perspective. We know what his big ceiling is, but the second he gets nicked up, he stops running. And when he stops running, his fantasy value goes way down because, again, I go back to it. He's not a good pocket passer. He's not. But he's good enough in this one. No James Conner. So Chase Emmons, for the second week in a row, got a big workload. Wasn't really able to cash in like he was a week ago, though. 18 carries, very inefficient, 53 yards. Although, I will say this. Once Dallas's defense got healthy, and earlier in the year when they started off healthy, that front seven has not been an easy defense to run on for anybody. For anybody. But he had a nice base floor, five catches, 29 yards on six targets. The Cardinals are in the playoffs, so it made sense to not push James Conner if he wasn't really ready to go. This is already a team that's going to be undermanned going into the postseason as it is. Connor's been phenomenal, especially as a touchdown guy. You don't really want to jeopardize that. So I wasn't surprised that Connor wound up being an inactive. Six catches, 79 yards on nine targets for Christian Kirk. Continues to be the Cardinals receiver that I want to own in absence of DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, they didn't have Rondale Moore either, but that's neither here nor there. They haven't used him as anything more than a gadget guy to begin with. Zach Ertz not gaudy, but kind of like Dalton Schultz, continues to be this volume-based tight end, especially with no Hopkins around. Nine targets himself, seven catches, 41 yards. A.J. Green, three catches and 74 yards, but we had kind of moved on from him anyway. The next matchup to talk about the Saints-Carolina, look, we don't got to get into much here. Carolina, another team that's complete disarray. Another team that I think should fire their head coach, start anew. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. We'll have to see exactly what happens. Either way, they got to get a new quarterback. And there's just not much to take out of this team. I mean, can Chris McCaffrey stay healthy in 2022? That'll be the question, especially drafting him, because you figure he, you're going to have to draft him in the first round because we know what he does when he's on the field. Even this year, when he was on the field, he was still you know incredible. Can you trust him to actually stay healthy anymore? That's going to be the question. But besides all that, I mean, DJ Moore, another 
really great wide receiver who's just getting dragged down by terrible offensive quarterback play. It's really just a sad thing to see. Eight targets in this game. The volume has been there consistently, but three catches, 29 yards. Man, Sam Darnold's garbage. He had 132 yards passing in this one. No touchdowns, a pick. Terrace Marshall was never really able to get involved in his rookie season. Robbie Anderson, complete disappointment, although I did have him on my bus list heading into the year because I was worried about Sam Darnold. A lot of teams need quarterbacks. A lot of teams need quarterbacks. And there's not going to be... Look, I think there's only one franchise quarterback in the draft this year, and not every team can make a big splash for an Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. On the Saints side, Taysom Hill was okay. He's a streaming-worthy quarterback, 45 rushing yards, 222 passing, did get up a touchdown passing. He was okay. Saints are another team. Quarterback will be an interesting case next year. Do they bring back Jameis Winston? We know Taysom Hill will still be on the team. They need to get some weapons, though. I mean, poor Alvin Kamara. Teams just keen in on him. And he wound up having a decent fantasy day because... In the passing game, five catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. 2.5 yards on the ground per carry in this one. I mean, it's just dreadful. You only have one guy to stop. Michael Thomas, who knows if he's ever going to be able to return to any kind of form of the player that he was coming off that ankle issue that he's had setback after setback with now. That's a, And they're a team that doesn't have a lot of cap room, so there's a lot of things that need to get figured out in New Orleans heading into next season. And now the Kamara, I mean, look, I, I'm still fine with him fantasy-wise as far as like him being an RB1 still. But without Drew Brees, our, our fears came to be realized where he just was not as involved in the passing game and that, you know, that took away from his ability to be a top three running back. Even in a year where a lot of running backs, you know, got injured. Still couldn't be that guy. All right, let's talk about our last game of this show. Detroit Lions, Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks win this game 51 to 29. Their best performance. Russell Wilson is a four touch. If you stream Russell Wilson, my hat's off to you. If you stuck with DK Metcalf, three touchdowns in this game. Still wasn't like overly, overly impressive receiving wise. Six catches, 63 yards on nine targets, but three touchdowns. Finally came to life after a huge disappointing performance. Seattle, another team. Going to be very interesting to see what happens in the offseason. Tyler Lockett, not great. Does get the touchdown, so he didn't totally destroy you this week. Didn't have the big performance you were hoping for because, again, three touchdowns to DK Metcalf. Kind of steals that. Three catches, 24 yards otherwise. The other guy who made a name for himself late in the year, Rashad Penny. 25 carries, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, they already signed Chris Carson. So he's coming He's coming back. And apparently with the, the surgery that he had, the expectations that he will be able to, I was kind of worried about him from an NFL career standpoint. He will expect to be back playing NFL, and he's actually expected to be able to be back to his regular self. Now, his regular self was always an injury-prone running back to begin with, but still, he's not going anywhere, and he figured he works into the mix. Rashad Penny was somebody Seattle can move on from in the in the offseason. We'll see if that still happens. Now, fantasy-wise, 2022, even if Rashad Penny was getting into a situation where he's the starting running back, I would not want to draft him, would not want to touch him because the guy who's consistently shown he can't stay healthy. 
And I'm not going to believe now is after his fourth year in, the, in, in his NFL career, he's suddenly now going to find a way to be dependable in that department. But he sure as hell was a great waiver wire pickup in the last half of the season. A big reason why you made your championship and a big reason why you won it. 25 carries, 170 yards, two touchdowns in this game. Even tacks on two receptions for 15 yards. Look, he got the job done. And it was a hell of a lot better than Alex Collins and Adrian Peterson and Travis Homer and DJ Dallas and everybody else they tried out after Chris Carson went down. And it's going to kind of be an interesting name that's going to be talked about in the offseason as a result of that. On the Lions side, no Jared Goff, but it did not matter. Amon Ra, St. Brown, eight catches, 111 yards, touchdown, 11 targets. He's kind of in a similar boat to me of a Hunter Renfro where it's, can you do this when your tight end's also on the field as the slot receiver? You operate in similar territory. You have a tight end who is a target monster, or at least was this season until he was injured in TJ Hawkinson. Obviously, he's developed a rapport with Jared Goff, though, and even Tim Boyle knows who to get the ball to. Again, this will be interesting to watch. They bring in another receiver to complement with him. Is St. Brown a truly good wide receiver who's going to be fantasy relevant, or is he going to be dependent on this double-digit target volume that really very well may not be sustainable heading into next season. Interesting of note, but definitely a dynasty guy to keep your eye on. I, I liked his talent. I liked what his fit was going to be in this offense coming into the year, uh, coming out of college. I definitely think he's a talented guy. He's not gonna he's not gonna beat you over the top. He's not an overly big-bodied guy. He's not a freak physically or anything like that. But I think he can be a good tactician and one of these bigger-bodied wide receiver in the slots that are, is finding great success, and I think may continue to do so. And then DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift. Woof. Now, technically, he played the most snaps, which if you look at the box score, you would not have thought because he only had four carries, 32 yards, and only tacked on two catches for seven yards. Now, I saw a report earlier about, well, what happens next year? Can DeAndre Swift really be expected to get the double-digit carries and the targets that he was seeing for most of the season while splitting time with Jamal. I'm like, yeah. If anybody thinks Craig Reynolds is really going to be a significant contributor with a healthy Williams, who will be back, and a healthy Swift next season, you're out of your mind. And you are recency bias on a very unhealthy level, which is something we always have to combat in the fantasy industry, of course. But don't get mixed up in it. Was it disappointing? Yeah, because... What happened? Swift practice in full all week. The offense coordinator, running backs coach, Dan Campbell, they all talked about how he wasn't going to be limited in any kind of way. And really the entire first half, he operated as the third string running back. He played most of the second half. It didn't result in the much, obviously, but that was where, that's where he wound up taking the lead as far as what running back had the most snaps. But Jamal Williams, 11 carries, 22 yards, touchdown, just... Nobody else was efficient besides Swift, but he didn't get the volume. Didn't get the volume you were expecting in what was a smash matchup had he done so. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week if he gets a little more volume than that. Well, what I will say is that after that first half, Craig Reynolds never touched the football again. So the Lions may have had enough with him right away. We might have seen the end of Craig Reynolds as it is to begin with. That's going to do it for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Remember, we're going to be back 10 a.m. tomorrow. All your favorite places, social media, at MDFF Show. Subscribe to YouTube on your favorite pod streaming app, on the Amazon App Store, and 
on Tiki Live at 10 a.m. tomorrow. We're talking about the Sunday night recap, the Monday night recap, and the waiver wire reports. Make sure you guys tune in for that. And we'll see you guys then. Go ahead, Week 18 Amateur Hour, guys. We're here for you. All right. See you guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.